0: A great philosopher of the internet once said, Always be yourself, unless you can be Batman. Always be Batman. While neither of us are Terry McGinnis and will likely never be Batman, we can live vicariously through him and his mini comic adventures. Welcome to Batbooks for Beginners. Welcome to Bat Books for Beginners. My name is John. My name is Dylan. And this is episode 133, covering Nightwing Big Guns. Before we jump into the episode here, we had a uh, couple comments from some previous episodes.
1: Alright, for Bat Books episode 131, we have Ian Miller, who who says, Enjoyed the episode. There was a huge Helena Bertinelli fan and a huge Greg Rucka and Rick Burchett fan. I rate this one 5 out of 5. I just wanted to comment that Helena's throwing away the cross at the end isn't so much rejecting her life-fighting evil of of the mob as the huntress, but more part of Helena's belief that she no longer is redeemable in a religious sense. It plays off Vic the question, saying, Damn you, to Helena, to which Helena replies, Happened long ago, Vic. Helena's Catholic faith is very important to her. And at this point in her life, she's been rejected romantically by Nightwing and as a vigilante by Batman, as a friend by Barbara and Tim, and now as so many things: friend, lover, teacher, partner by Vic. Helena doesn't feel like she deserves to be identified with her family and thus throws it away. There aren't a ton of Helena-focused books after this until Helena joins the Birds of Prey. There are a couple of one-shots and anthology short stories and a confusing arc featuring Batman Huntress and Checkmate in Batman Gotham Knights. But the next major event in Huntress's life are in Hush, followed by Gail Simone's run of Birds of Prey. It's also a really neat visual parallel to the very first image of the series, a man floating in the water seen from below. Rucka and Burchett are really master storytellers in this partnership. He also states, Ian Miller also states, forgot to mention that Rucka would pick Helena's back up again in both The Question, Pipeline, and Convergence, The Question, both times partnering with artist Coley Hamner. The Question, Pipeline, directly follows up as some of the threads in Cry for Blood.
0: Yeah, and that's really good information that that we didn't have, so thank you, Ian, for that comment. Yes,
1: thank you very much, Mr. Miller.
0: Appreciate you. And uh, we had a comment from Donovan on uh, Batgirl Silent Running. He says, having just finished the episode, I would say to your central concern that the, one cri- that the one criticism I would agree with was the shifting of her brain happening very early into the run. I think that's a fair thing to not enjoy. However, I'd also say that her fighting skills and communication abilities are tackled in the very next arc volume, which we did notice when we recorded that episode, and she never really learns to read, and her speaking ability very slowly progresses throughout the entirety of her six-year 73-issue title. She never grows to be articulate and always has difficulty expressing herself. Her reading ab- disability even leads to a falling out between her and Oracle. I don't agree with the critique that her being a good fighter makes her an inconsequential asset to Batman. I think that's drastically shortchanging her abilities. She, for all intents and purposes, is the best fighter in Gotham and possibly in the DCU. She's reg- she regularly ranks in the top five for reasons that occur later in the series. I agree that having supreme fighting skills only makes her limited, but I'd also contend that it's not as though everyone else in the Batman family are so well-rounded either. Tim's a better detective than he ever was as a fighter. Dick's a much better acrobat than Bruce is, and is as good an athlete as a detective. Jason kind of sucked at all three comparatively, and Oracle's computer skills, to my understanding, only grew once she became Oracle. Most every other costumed crime fighter are average at most things, save for some martial arts specifications like Wildcat and Black Canary. Labeling Cassandra as essentially useless because she is only good at one thing is an oversight because it diminishes the effectiveness of that one thing. She's superhumanly fast and can dodge bullets. She can tell what a person is going to do before they do it due to her body language reading and training. That's not anything that's found in any other DC costumed character. If the criticism asks, what's so special about a great fighter? My response would have to smart acidly be, what's so special about a great detective? As it essentially questions both occupations and damns them from their singular e- efficacy. Ultimately, though, a number of your concerns are by and large tackled and addressed throughout the series. It's still to this day the first and longest running Batgirl title, and that's for a reason.
1: So I want to I go ahead and address that real quick uh, to Donovan. That We did talk a little bit about that in the following uh, episode, the following Batgirl, and I understand where you're coming from, where we only had a small contingency of information, but also I'd say you have to afford us that we also have only done one Batgirl story arc at the point of this recording, so all of our critiques and all of our uh, concerns directly stem from only having that limited information and what we knew from no man's land. Now, I do want to touch on something you said about there being so many about what's so special about being a detective. What's interesting about that is DC does have a lot of detectives. They don't have a lot of leaders. Marvel universe it has the opposite thing where they have uh, phenomenal leaders but not so great detectives. So having one or the other seems to be a very much a DC or Marvel trait, which is kind of interesting. I will, you know, of course, Donovan, thank you very much for your comments, and please uh, continue to comment. We really appreciate the feedback and information. It's a really interesting point of view.
0: Yeah, thank you very much, Donovan, and now we'll jump back into the regular episode.
1: As normal, we will start right on to the summary. Hot on the heels of hunting down Tad Ryerstad, Nightwing endeavors to track down information in the home of the former police chief, Redhorn. Inside of Redhorn's home, he is attacked by two Bloodhaven cops. Finding only further questions, Nightwing attends the funeral of a police officer where he meets Mac Arnett, who gives him the idea to join the police force out of costume. Nightwing utilizes Barbara to start attempting to locate Reierstadt. At the police station, Mac Arnett introduces himself to the new police chief. He tells the chief that he is replacing Sums, now going by Torque, and in less than subtle terms, explains that he will be working behind the scenes of the police force. Dudley Soames meets with the former gangs of a now-hospitalized villain, Blockbuster. When they refuse to join him, Soames blows them up with a gun given to him by the Metropolis Intergang, a gang with with ties to Apocalypse and with ties to Darkseid himself. Back in Dick's garage, Barbara informs the former Boy Wonder of Todd's activities. Dick quickly egresses from his home and strikes Tad as Tad arrives back at his apartment. Nightwing is able to subdue his former protege and calls the cops, turning Tad in. The next day, Grayson goes and interviews for a job with the police department. After Grayson leaves, the, his interviewer calls Arnett, saying that he has let Grayson on the force, with Arnett vowing to get rid of the blackmail he has on the officer. Tork visits the hospitalized Blockbuster with intent to kill him. By seeing the condition Blockbuster is in, Stone decides his fate is much worse than death and leaves. Grayson gets sworn in and meets his field officer, Amy Rohrbach, who is none too keen on the rookie, alluding that she knows that strings were pulled to get Grayson on the force. That night, Grayson investigates the strange murder of millionaires with a bizarre cloth being left behind. He finds the perpetrator, but she's able to escape his custody. Grayson takes a sample of the fabric to Lucius Fox for analysis before returning to his job as a cop. Arnaud encounters Torque in his office looking for Redhorn. On a stakeout, Dick's field officer confronts him about how he became an officer, but as soon as he fights back, she drops the subject. As Nightwing, Grayson goes to the house of the next millionaire on the Mysterious Woman's hit list. Going by sylph, she and Grayson fight, with Sylph revealing that the man she is murdering are responsible for her father's death. As she attempts to escape, it appears that she hangs herself. Dick returns to his apartment and gets light sleep before he is awakened by a call from Amy, calling him to the Justice Center, as Tork has attacked with some new powerful gun and is holding Arno hostage, taped up to an office chair. As Dick arrives on the scene in his police outfit, the commander asks for volunteers to storm the building. Grayson steps up, much to the disdain of Amy. Once he gets to the building, Dick strips his police uniform off and puts on his nightwing garb. In the hospital room, Blockbuster receives news that his mother has died. He also receives a report from his lieutenant that Soames is attacking Bloodhaven. Nightwing starts putting the hurt on Tork, but the police secretary blindly fires into the room, pinning Nightwing down long enough for Tork to recover. He uses a flamethrower function on his gun, immolating the secretary, just as the commander arrives, leading the commander to believe that it was Grayson that was murdered. Nightwing is able to nearly subdue Tork when Tork fires a stun pulse, shooting Arnaud out the window. Nightwing is able to rescue Arnaud, but Tork begins firing at the hero again. Tork's gun overloads, and the commander shoots the Tork in the chest, disabling but not killing him as he was wearing a bulletproof vest. Tork drops the overloading gun, but Nightwing is able to warn everyone back before it explodes. Nightwing ducks behind some cars and changes back into civilian clothes, appearing just after the commander tells Amy that Grayson died. In prison, Tork is put into a cell with Tide Reierstad. The next day at the precinct, the commander gives Grayson his uniform back and tells Grayson that he has his eye on him. In the annual... Uh, that follows these episodes, the replacement police chief is killed. Nightwing rescues Redhorn, the former chief from Hella, and tells him that Blockbuster is too sick to pursue him and that his old job is open.
0: And that's the end of the story. That concludes the
1: summary portion of the podcast. Now we'll be jumping right into our notes followed by the talking points and discussion.
0: All right, so our our first note in here is the word Bogtrotter, which showed up in issue 47. Um, which is a derogatory term for Irishman, and this came from Soames, I believe. Well, in reference from, to the local gang.
1: Well, it, it actually came from the local gang ca- calling him a Bogtrotter. Oh, was that it? Yeah, much to his disdain, him being Irish.
0: Okay, I must have misread where that uh, speech bubble was coming from, because it seemed like it was in reference to the, the gang that he uh, blew up in that first, ep- uh, first issue.
1: Yeah, the, the gang was calling him a Bogtrotter, and he said, Watch who you're calling Bogtrotter when he blew him up.
0: That makes more sense, because, yes, uh, (laughs) Torque Soames is is definitely Irish in his accent, as we can tell from his use of terms like boyo and such.
1: And apostrophes, so many apostrophes.
0: Um, The next note from issue 48 is uh, the decel cables, um, which is short for deceleration. Uh, They're a cross between rappelling ropes and bungee cords, so they can absorb some of the energy of slowing down a falling object.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it's... You know uh, the absorption of the shock of falling and and the catching of uh, whoever's on them basically absorbs some of the shock. So they're not, you know, Spider Man for lack of a better term with Gwen Stacy.
0: Yeah, that that's kind of what they're we're, they're trying to avoid. Yes. Which so does that mean Spider Man's webs are just basically bungee cords?
1: Ba- well, no, they're not bungee cords, and that's part of the problem. They're not. They didn't absorb the shock. Now, in the movie, of course, she hits her head. They uh, have. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert on a movie that's, what, a, a year, year old? old. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Or more. I guess. I'm sorry. Not really, though. <laughs> no, uh, but she, in the movie she hits her head, but in the comic book she doesn't hit her head. She just snaps her, her neck whenever uh, he catches her, the shock. So his, Spider-Man's webbing doesn't have any shock absorption, apparently. I'm guessing.
0: Um. So I'll let you handle the next few. We've got some... Uh New uh, first appearances and also some return of some characters we've seen before. Yes. So the
1: first one we have is the return of Amygdala, who lives in the same building as Dick Grayson. We last saw him being used by the ventriloquist in Nightfall. So, you know, he's kind of an oafish, violent uh, character, but very much like uh, Lenny from Of Mice and Men. Sure. What? You don't know Of Mice and Men? Not that well. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So anyone who has read of Mice and Men or who remembers of Mice and Men, uh, Amygdala is very much like Lenny. Big, dumb, easily manipulated. This will be the first appearance of Amy Rohrbach, who's the police officer training Dick. I don't think she goes on to any sort of like costume garb or anything, does she?
0: No, she's, she's just a police officer. But she does appear continuing on beyond this for a while. So I thought it was important to mention that this was where we first saw her. And this
1: is the first appearance of Sylph. Now, does she become a hero, or is she just kind of uh Honestly, like-
0: I don't know. I I know that this is not her only appearance, but I'm pretty sure she's only a villain. I don't know how often she's used, though.
1: Now, this is a conjecture on my behalf, because obviously I don't know, but she seems very much like the Catwoman to Dick Grayson's Batman.
0: I had not considered that, and judging from this story...
1: I mean, he, he definitely showed... Has some sort of attraction to her. At least I, that's what I gathered in the uh, exchange between the two. The I second not get exchange. that. No, maybe it's just maybe I just you know misconceiving. But it seemed like they had a, or that he was very attracted to her. I so, mean, she
0: was attractive. It would be an interesting uh, thing for them to continue on if they if they do. But I don't. I doubt it. I don't want to get too
1: far off subject into the discussion, but. Is that a good idea, do you think, having an analogous relationship to Batman and Catwoman with Dick Grayson?
0: Well, if you go back to our first Nightwing story, uh, we kind of discussed that you you have to do some stuff that is similar to Batman, um, some shared villains, that sort of thing, so that could be part of the shared aspect of it, but personally... I'm not a fan of the whole Batman-Catwoman thing, so I wouldn't want to see that uh, with Nightwing.
1: Well, even more, or even less so, because he's in a relationship of some sort with Barbara Gordon.
0: Yeah, I think that's more the off-again, on-again, contentious relationship for Dick than than it would be with a villain like Batman and Catwoman is.
1: Not to mention he has that same sort of contentious relationship with a anti-hero in The Huntress.
0: Yeah, so either one of those would probably be more analogous to the Bat- Batman and Catwoman thing than, than this would be.
1: And uh, probably a little bit better suited for a story.
0: It's certainly already set up at this point, which this would, they would have to set up from the ground.
1: Alright, so in uh, issue 49 we have a reference to Desert Storm, uh, which was at the time of the comic book nine years old. Desert Storm, of course, being the uh, first Gulf War... Operation Desert Storm was the second phase and la- lasted from January 17, 1991 to February 28, 1991. It involved a coalition force of 34 countries led by the United States against Iraq who had killed, who had invaded and uh, killed a lot of Kuwaiti citizens in an attempt to annex it, basically take it over and make it part of Iraq, akin to, in recent news, what Russia is doing to Kiev. Kiev? Kiev
0: that's ukraine right yeah it's yeah. a
1: city in ukraine so oil i want to say it's an oil rich city in ukraine so
0: it is an oil area the southern part of russia and ukraine so yeah it probably does have a lot of oil well i mean then it's a pretty much an exact uh repeat of what was going on between <laughs> iraq and kuwait because kuwait has a lot of oil
1: yeah so there you go it's a uh, history repeats itself in the real world there it's kind of creepy and i
0: creepy. almost didn't include this but uh, if you we have younger listeners they may not remember the uh first g- gulf war as, as I do I was 9 at the time so
1: I mean I was uh 6 at the time so do
0: you remember the
1: I mean you know it, being 6 years old not really I remember some like maybe seeing stuff on the news but I don't really have a good recollection of it
0: yeah I don't have uh, it's not like I can tell you you know what happened every single day of the thing but I do definitely remember seeing the video on TV and hearing about it and and these terms you know operation desert storm and desert shield and 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 such so to me it it seemed like well that's that's modern i don't need to include that but then i thought maybe if there were younger listeners who Mm -hmm. weren't as up on or weren't weren't as cognizant of the news at that time in their lives that they may not know the story well you gotta think it's a
1: 24 year old story you know that was 24 years ago which is crazy to think about what desert storm
0: 91?
1: Yeah. That was 24 years ago,
0: dude. Jeez, yes, it was. <laughs> wow. I am... <laughs> I, I, yeah, you, you threw me for a second. I was like, no, Sorry. this story is from 2000. It's not 24 years
1: old. <laughs> Sorry. No, Desert Storm is 24 years old. It's, yes, it is. Which is, is kind of crazy to think about. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago. but
0: No, it doesn't. All right, we'll move on to our next note here. In issue 50... Amy calls Michael Mus, which was the ESU commander that that we mentioned in in the in the uh, in the summary there. That she called him a discount Patton. Now this is before my time. General George S. Patton Jr. was one of the most well known generals of World War II. He got in trouble for slapping two privates in 1943, um, but was reinstated a little bit after that. He led troops in the North African campaign, the Sicily campaign, on the beaches of Normandy, and at the Battle of the Bulge. And I believe he was a four-star general.
1: I believe that's right. Do you know why he slapped the two privates?
0: Um, battle fatigue, and I believe, was what they were saying. And he was basically saying, you need to get back in there and keep working. And
1: I mean, you know, and this was before the time we even, and we, of course, we had a term for it, battle fatigue. Then it became shell shock. Or no, it was shell shock, then battle fatigue, then it had a few names. And I want to say Louis, or not Louis, uh, Louis Black has a rant about that. I want to say, but I might be misremembering what comedian talks about it. No, you know what? It was George Carlin. That's what it was. George Carlin has an d- entire uh, bit on PTSD, shell shock, battle fatigue, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But, you know, it's kind of crazy to think about. It. With all we understand and know about PTSD now, that is just insanity. That the general slapped two soldiers suffering from PTSD at a time of war and told them to get back in there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't delve too deep into it. I was just getting uh, enough for for the notes section here, so I'm not sure. It, I mean, the, you're right about those terms being used used for that, but I don't know if that is particularly what they were referring to in in uh, the the Wikipedia article on this one.
1: Uh, I'm just uh, it's, it is it, it's they were shell shocked or battle fatigued, what have you. But that's just another name for PTSD. So, there's two soldiers suffering from PTSD the general slapped them and said, get back in the fight.
0: Yeah, and rightfully so, he was in trouble for that because that's not how you treat anyone. No, but Uh, this
1: was the World War II era.
0: Yes, and Patton is known. I mean, there's a movie out there. I think it's called Patton. I remember watching it. There's at least one called Patton. I remember watching it when I was younger because my mom made me. I didn't enjoy it, but (laughs) now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, well, I'm kind of glad I watched that because when I read about this, I'm like, oh, I remember that from the movie. Uh, and
1: of course you have a, another a deeper appreciation from of it being a soldier or being a veteran.
0: Yeah, of well, of history or just of of their situation.
1: Well, a veteran a US Army veteran.
0: Right, yeah, I get that. But you mean a deeper appreciation of of what was going on with the this situation or of history? I mean, both, really. Okay, I my development of an appreciation of history I think is separate from being uh, a well, I veteran. Well, like but, war history. Uh, eh, maybe. Maybe? Yeah, there, that might, there might be something to that. I, I haven't really sat down and quantified <laughs> it. But I definitely do have more of an appreciation of history now that I'm older than I did when I was that age, for sure.
1: I've always loved history, so that's kind of, yeah.
0: <laughs> but I do remember from that movie, the Patton movie, that he wasn't really a very nice guy, so... A, one
1: uh, A spectacular strategist, really kind of horrible human being and leader.
0: Well, he was good at leading, but he wasn't nice about it. So, I mean, it's kind of the, the, there's a difficult balance there because you have a lot of leaders who are very effective, but are just really mean. And, you know, they, they, they push their people and, and people don't like them personality wise, but they're very effective. And then you have other leaders who are very nice and can, depending on the people they have, can get stuff out of them without, without having to resort to that. So it's kind of a difficult balance. I I'm finding with, Leadership, as far as you kind of have to be the tough guy somewhat. Like, you can't always be the super nice guy.
1: I mean, you can't be a pushover, but you also can't abuse your, your underlings.
0: Exactly. So I think he was more on that, that end of the spectrum as far as just he was mean and kind of abusive. And, and yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because, you're right, he was very good at what he did, but he also was abusive to his people. Yeah. So
1: moving on from that fun t- conversation... <laughs>
0: Um, so the last note we have is from the 80-page the giant, which was the what I called the annual. Uh, in the summary, I realized now that it wasn't actually an annual. It was an 80-page giant. Okay, um, It's uh, harness, which is referenced, referenced to the police. It's a slang term for police officers. It's talking about that... Uh, um, piece that go the it's kind of like a um vest. a vest but it it doesn't have much fabric it's just like straps and it's got the place for the uh like an don't.
1: lbe or like a, no, it, a shoulder holster
0: it, yeah like the shoulder holster that's basically the harness that they're referring to
1: lbe being load bearing equipment, army term yeah so that's Sorry.
0: that's more of a vest um that like you would it's it's a tactical vest this is just like some straps that that uh, snap together in the front or or somehow attached in the front and they just go over the shoulders and they have the 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 place to hold the gun under yeah, the that's, arm Yeah that's bit. just
1: called a shoulder holster.
0: Well that's what they're referring to by harness. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's just a shoulder holster. <laughs>
0: Um, so, so we'll move on here to our talking points here. Um, we, we we tried, but we did not find any bad things. Uh, Which is kind of unique. Yeah, that is rather unusual. Or I should say anything that was a straight bad point. I think in some of these, I ha- um, we probably have some things that we didn't particularly care for. But overall, um, this was a very uh, good story, I felt. So our first point is uh, that Dick Grayson gets put on the police force, but he doesn't earn it. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? So, I mean, he really...
1: Doesn't it's not so much he doesn't well you're not wrong that he doesn't earn it he doesn't have an opportunity to earn it but you have to wonder why Arno wanted him on the Force but yeah which yeah I'm sure is a much larger overarching story arc as to you know Arno's machinations for you for getting Grayson on the Force but we really don't get it in these five issues
0: no I'm sure that well that's a that's a piece that will come up uh. Um, I went to, at Emerald City Comic Con this year, I went to a panel called Breaking the Story, and they had a, a part of that where they talked about serialized storytelling. And so this would be what you would call either the A or the B plot uh, of serialized storytelling from that 30% of the story that doesn't actually tie to the main event of this particular story. So I'm sure that we'll see that continuing on in the A or B plot going forward through the uh, the future Nightwing stories. Um, as far as what Arno's motivation is how he thinks he can control Grayson or get something out of having Grayson on the force that benefits him
1: yeah so i mean it's something that we'd have to see uh progress as we continue the story
0: yeah and it's pretty obvious that he was the person who pulled the strings to get uh Dick on on the force
1: yeah he used blackmail to that uh the, the interviewing officer
0: and one thing i really found interesting and i'm hoping to see going forward with these nightwing stories is the relationship between uh amy roerbach and uh dick grayson because she's obviously got an issue with him being placed on the force without earning it so it'll be interesting to see as he becomes a, a police officer basically learns on the job training and all that if she starts to accept him and treat him better uh as he kind of earns his spot
1: yeah it'll be interesting to see that development of character character development the character progression for and the uh, relationship progression for those two
0: and it makes these portions of the story because obviously we can tell with this uh with what they're doing with the nightwing story that they want uh both nightwing to have an interesting story excuse me and dick to have an interesting story and this is their way of making dick's story interesting uh, by putting him on the police force um, which leads us right into Dick Grayson as a police officer. And I I thought this was really interesting because it's a different way for him to help his city. Uh, both it, as Dick Grayson and as Nightwing, he can kind of help the city in two ways. And it, it leads to an
1: interesting... You know, he, he's doing
0: things by the books,
1: on the books, and doing things extra extracurricular, I guess would be the word for it, his vigilante, his Nightwing. Now the question becomes, will one... Obviously, one's going to affect the other. If he's pulling shift, he's not. You know, he's he's going to be tired. He is a supposedly human being, even in a comic book character.
0: And we did see reference to that with um, when he got called in early when the police uh, or the the precinct was under siege by uh, Torque. He he was really tired because he hadn't got enough sleep, and he mentions being up thirty six hours at one point. So, that yeah, they're definitely going to be that.
1: Yeah, it's just if they if the writers and directors utilize the fatigue angle and to what degree do they utilize it
0: now i'm reminded of a conversation we had i want to say it was in no man's land but it might have been in a different uh, different one about uh bruce wayne and yes. the playboy nature and him acting dumb and all this and how i didn't like that i don't think it was
1: uh no man's Land. i think that was further back it was uh
0: well no man's land was the first one we did
1: yeah i thought that was all the way back when we covered for our other podcast the uh, uh, broken bat, nightfall. Nightfall. No,
0: it wasn't that. Um, anyway, I know we've had this discussion, and I prefer the Bruce Wayne that can help his city as the billionaire, uh, Playboy and,
1: philanthropist.
0: Exactly the the uh, Iron Man character. <laughs> um, the Tony Tony Wayne. <laughs> so Bruce Stark. So so I'm seeing kind of what I wanted out of Bruce here in Dick. He's able to help his city as Dick Grayson, and he's able to help his city as Nightwing. So this is kind of what I was hoping to see out of Bruce Wayne more so than we have so far.
1: And, and this leads to my next point, though. You also have a conflict of when to be Nightwing and when to be Officer Grayson. Uh, we do see the incredible stripping Dick here when he's fighting Torque
0: when um, Michaelmas, the the commander, nearly catches him by following the trail of clothes.
1: Yeah, he strips his clothes while storming a building with cops. Also storming the same building, doesn't do anything with his clothes; just strips them off.
0: Yeah, I was I was thought that was a little reckless. Um, I was kind of wondering. I knew he volunteered so that he could get into the building to kind of take a Nightwing approach to it, whether or not he was in costume or not. But yeah, he seemed to very quickly lose the rest of the cops and managed to strip out and get in his Nightwing costume.
1: Yeah, which one is interesting, but two, he's almost caught by Michaelness, which I think is a, really a, a, a good thing by the writers because it does it's something that's a little more realistic. Yeah, he strips down and gets in his Nightwing outfit, but he also just left the clothes around. The cops are going to find that if they're trying to find him in the building. Obviously, the cops are not going to leave a man behind as much as possible.
0: Yeah, and it it didn't come to fruition in this story, but we saw at the end of the story Michaelmas went up to him and said, I got my eye on you.
1: Which will make things harder on Grayson as as these things come up where he's fighting guys like Torque and Sylph and Blockbuster, although Blockbuster at this point you know, Uh, Infirm.
0: Yeah, he seemed to be mostly recovered by the end of the story, but still probably has a little bit of time before he comes back to another arc. I would think.
1: Yeah, so I mean, yeah, as Officer Grayson fighting crime, that's all well and good, but against guys like Torque and Ryerstad and Blockbuster and and any other villains that are Nightwing specific, which I really don't know of too many.
0: I mean, we covered that uh, a little bit with our first. Uh, Nightwing story. We mentioned some of his villains, like we mentioned Torque, I think, yes. who hadn't wasn't in that story, but is in this one. So he does have a, a few more besides what we've seen, but not a ton.
1: Yeah. So I mean, when when dealing with those guys, and if he's on the, the job as an officer, he can't very well just Clark Kent out of there.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is something that it's become. I mean, it's become a trope, like a, a superhero trope of. How how does the the superhero who's stuck somewhere as his alter ego uh, escape the situation? Get changed? Um, you know, Spider Man has to do it. Batman has to do it. Superman has to do it. Everybody really has to has to do it, except for like Iron Man and a few others who are their identity is known to to the world. Basically,
1: yeah. And there's not too many of those, though. I mean, like, okay, so Black Panther, Iron Man are known. Aquaman, kind of known, depends on who's telling the story. Thor?
0: And it makes for a totally different set of, of problems that that character can encounter. Like, this is the secret identity problem of how do I keep my secret identity hidden while still being being the hero when I need to be. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a very common problem i know we'll see it a number of times but i'm glad that they're throwing in other things in there as well so it's not quite as obvious i would say
1: at least on the trope part of this they actually had repercussions for it
0: yes and that that's also good too but the problem i see with that is eventually the repercussion is you're found out and then that leads to kind of the same story i mean we've seen it a number of times with with heroes as far as once they're found out the story kind of goes the same for all of them so it, it, it's, a, it's a struggle for the writers to find a way to make this very very common story element interesting in a way and I think we're getting a pretty good one here
1: so on the story I think that leads us to our next point where we're going to be talking about the story itself now I definitely think and I, I think you think the same they had a phenomenal flow It it was for a five issue story arc. It flew really good.
0: Uh, You say five issues.
1: Well, Well, four issues and a a supersize that kind of. Issue
0: 50 was a double issue, so I guess you could really say it was five issues and then the 80 page giant. But yeah, as we mentioned, that one paragraph at the end of the summary, the 80 page giant wasn't really tied to this.
1: It it, it had some following. it, It had some things that happened during the story effect that it was brought into that story, but that's no more. Tying it together than just having a linear progression.
0: Yeah, it's just that 30% that I mentioned with the uh, serialized storytelling. Yeah. Um, we saw kind of the effect of um, the, the chief being killed so that Redhorn could come back and uh, become chief again. Um, but yeah, I definitely thought that in those four or five, if you count the double issue as two, it did have a good flow. It, it had a few too many villains, though, I think, for a five-issue story. Because we saw three villains. I'm not including Tad in that. No. Well, um, I mean, you could include him, but. You could, and then it's four. But,
1: but realistically, Blockbuster doesn't really play much of a part, though. I'm not including him. Okay. So, so you Sylph. have
0: Torque, Sylph, and. Arno? Um, oh, I guess I was including Hella, which is in the, the 80 page giant. Yeah. Um, but still, <laughs> even. Even then, that that's a quite a, and then you've got the 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 little bit in the one issue of dealing with with Tad, which is basically going and rounding him up and throwing him in jail. Yeah, and then like you said, blockbusters in there just to include his kind of uh, B plot, moving it forward,
1: almost like a C plot. Yeah,
0: I mean, the, I I was just using that because that was from the term from the the serialized storytelling. That's but a- yeah, there there are more than one or more than two a and b plots in this it's
1: like a d plot it's like the kathy griffin of plots <laughs> sorry kathy griffin um because you know she's a big fan of our show i don't know if you knew that i didn't no it's not true at all i just make that up yeah i, I kind <laughs> of was, uh, i was assuming that what was nice is even though it did have quite a few villains it didn't feel horribly crowded it definitely didn't feel like each one was given quite as much screen time to develop and kind of you know, make them into the threat, or explain why they're as big a threat as they are. With Torque, we just get that now he's connected to the Inter Gang, so now he's got all sorts of cool weaponry.
0: I mean, Torque was obviously the main the main plot of this yeah. story, and I would have liked to seen that uh, expanded a little bit more. Um, maybe push the self uh, portion to another issue after this and establish
1: her a little bit more as well
0: exactly because i felt like she really got the the short change uh in this particular instance i mean the 80 page uh giant hella got fairly well treated
1: yeah she definitely got quite a bit of story she got quite a bit of exposure and her backstory told
0: yeah her backstory was the best part of that i I, agree completely i felt uh, but the problem with that is that it's just that's it like there's nowhere. they didn't really go anywhere from it uh,
1: yeah, at the end of the story, she's on a boat sailing off to the sunset or whatever.
0: Well, she, she the boat exploded. We're not really oh, sure yeah, if yeah. she escaped or not, but obviously it's comics, so if they wanted her back, she escaped.
1: Yeah, if, if you don't see the body, as long as she's not... Even you know, if you do see the body. <laughs> even if you do see the I mean, you know, we have that with, with uh, Gwen Stacy. Now there's a clone of her running around.
0: Yeah, so, Sp- Spider-Gwen.
1: Spider-Gwen, who actually seems like a really cool character, but I digress.
0: Yeah, uh, you're turning in, you're turning into uh, um, Stella from from the comics cast here, constantly referencing Spider <laughs> Man, Spider Man,
1: Spider um, Man.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. So I I think we've covered that the we would have liked to seen maybe this story just completely focus on Torque and and expand those other villains in another way. Yeah, but
1: um, it, I do want to say that it definitely had an amazing mixture of the detective side of the house and the action side. And I mean with Batman a lot of times it seems like it focuses entirely too much on one or the other. But this one had a phenomenal mix. It had a great uh you know, you had all the stuff with trying to figure out where Tad Reierstadt is. You had all the stuff trying to you're just developing the, the idea of Dick Grayson is more than just side you know, former sidekick, you know, Kick in the door, beat the guys up with with sticks type guy. He's actually very intelligent and a great detective.
0: And we saw that both uh, that his access to police files came in handy with Hella. Yes, so he's able to be a better detective in that aspect and not totally rely on Oracle. Although he uh, he does rely on Oracle quite a bit, which is the only thing that makes us not entirely a solo story for Nightwing. Is the fact that he interacts with Oracle because other than that. You don't see Robin. You don't see uh, Alfred. You don't see Batman. Well, didn't,
1: like, Batman talk to Oracle at one point? That's the only thing we got was him stopping in. Like, we see him, but it's, like, so minimal.
0: Right. He's there talking to Oracle when Nightwing calls her at one point. But I'm saying we don't see him in Bloodhaven. Yeah, no. Definitely we do not. Or we don't see Dick in Gotham in, in this story. So... I I definitely did like that this involved uh, Nightwing villains, no assistance from from the Bat family. I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing.
1: No, no, it it sets him aside.
0: Because we did enjoy the assistance from Alfred and Robin in um, Hunt for Oracle. Yes. Um, So it's not a bad thing that that the Bat family assists him. It's just that everyone, you know, if you really want to make him his own character, you kind of need to have these stories that are well done without uh, interference or help from Batman and Robin and Alfred.
1: I 110% agree with you. Um, it can be very tempting. I think to use that as a crutch. The the ties beyond Oracle basically. And it can be good to have them show up. But if you want him to be his own standalone character. You have to develop him as separate. He can have that history. But if you constantly having him leaning back on other characters. Beyond Barbara who he has an established relationship in Bloodhaven with.
0: Well, and, and also you've got the 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 relationship,
1: rom- uh, relationship.
0: That that would be romance and relationship <laughs> thrown together. Romance, relationship,
1: Romationship. romationship. Bro- sh- bromation. Well, she's Bromancy-
0: not a bro. Oh, you know. <laughs> um, you've got the relationship there, the romance there. So I I like seeing ha- Oracle in there, and it's a great way to kind of make it feel like it's still a Nightwing story. I could not agree more. I yeah exactly.
1: All right, so I, well, since we're uh, done patting each other on the back, I think on this topic, let's move on to the next back back patting topic. Uh,
0: so this is a continuation of the previous story that we saw in the the hunt for Oracle. I believe was was where we saw these things with Nightwing searching for Tad. You have Redhorn hiding from Blockbuster, which started before that story. We kind of had to piece that together uh, from the files that got destroyed in the in the the car in that one. Um, uh, that's kind of what Redhorn's afraid of, is that, that uh, Blockbuster knows those files were given to Tad by Redhorn. Um, you have Houston's funeral, which I thought was the guy that Tad killed, but after looking back, uh, it's not. It was a different guy. Um, so I thought that was a continuation, but it turned out not to be. I,
1: I, I did not catch that that wasn't the same guy, actually.
0: I, I, <laughs> the name didn't sound right, but then I was like, why would that funeral be here? And so I thought maybe it was the same guy. So I, I went and looked up the name and it, it, it wasn't. Do you recall what it was offhand? No, honestly, Dang. I don't. Okay. No sweat. Um, I remember there was like that. That's a horrible name comment, you know, when he gave his real name. Oh, yeah. I can't remember what it is now. <laughs> um, and then we have Blockbuster received his heart transfer that he was searching for in Hunt for Oracle, or I should say right after the Hunt for Oracle. So that was really good um, continuation of all these A and B plots that we'd seen in in the Nightwing story leading up to this.
1: Yeah, it's nice to see those things kind of have somewhat of a payoff where you have you know of course it's a linear story so it's you're going to have the continuation but it's done so cleanly and so effectively here. It's so nice to see it doesn't feel shoehorned in or you know strange.
0: Yeah, and like we said with with the flow, they managed to put all this together in an entertaining story while we have these these you know slight complaints that we would like to see more of this and maybe less of that they did a really good job of fitting all these elements that we just mentioned which is a lot of elements together into a, 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 a re- relatively short story
1: length wise very short but content wise it was it felt appropriate it felt full it didn't feel really lacking beyond the small quibbles that we have
0: yeah and uh, and the last thing that we wanted to touch on here was was the villains that we saw in this story so uh let's start with Sylph. What are your thoughts on Sylph? So here's the thing. I thought Sylph was
1: kind of cool. Um kind of gimmicky with the cloth, but it's also kind of cool to see a strange kind of technological hero, I guess. I'm not sure how you'd categorize her. It wasn't really explained how she controlled the the fabric. And and I mean they they mentioned something about like electrical current. I think uh when when Dick handed the fabric over to Lucius Fox, Lucius? Oh, yeah.
0: another person we see from the Bat family yeah. that we forgot I, to
1: <laughs> um, it, it was even in the summary, I think. We totally forgot, though. We didn't even put two and two together. But, uh, yeah, he handed the cloth over to Lucius Fox saying, I'm looking at, at investing with this is what I'm looking at investing in.
0: Which was an interesting cover to get him to basically do an, a- an analysis on the fabric for him.
1: Yeah, which was kind of weird, but it, it worked. It worked. I mean, Lucius does work with Bruce Wayne, so I'm sure he's had weirder requests. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So, yeah, it was kind of cool. Uh, they did say electrocurrent, but it also appeared to either be sheer... Or semi-sheer, the fabric? They said it
0: was super thin. So the fact that it was opaque on her, they kind of alluded to the fact that she could have miles and miles of this stuff wrapped around her because of how thin it was. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it was really interesting. It kind of reminded me um, a little bit of, of like, Venom or Carnage. Kind of, yeah. In that uh, the fabric kind of could behave similar to a symbiote in that it could, like, envelop envelop you and, and kind of suffocate you or, or bond with you or, or however...
1: The, the more I think about it, and I hate to say this, but it's kind of so thinly explained and so... Thinly veiled? but thin- oh, don't. You, you got your pun in for the podcast. Um, it, it, it... I would have liked as we mentioned, for her to be pushed further down to a different issue or story arc so that we could really delve into her character. We could really, you know... I think it would have been better uh, a less is more approach on this have her mention that there's there's serial killer there's someone killing all these millionaires and not have Grayson as involved and not kind of fake her death because it would be be better to set her up down the line to really get to utilize her instead of this where it just didn't feel complete it didn't feel fully utilized
0: well the problem is the story felt actually complete like Everything, every person that she was after was dealt with in some form or fashion. Two of them were killed and one of them. She was prevented from killing and then supposedly committed suicide. Which is later revealed that she didn't. Well, yeah, which once they basically cut the fabric down, it just, you know, falls into a pile of fabric and there's no body inside. So it's it's obvious that she escaped uh, somehow and just left the, the fabric costume behind. So... It'll be interesting to see if they bring that character back. How they make her interesting again?
1: Yeah, I mean it's a really cool concept. It's something I'd like to see, but it, even having a complete arc, it really felt shallow, felt thin.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely was not expanded on as much as we would have liked. Um, the the next villain I want to talk about was Hello, who was in the eighty page giant. Uh, we mentioned earlier that we really liked the backstory to her, and, and I thought it was, uh, it was really good. It gave uh something for Dick and Nightwing to work w- to work both personas together in because she was former police officer.
1: Yeah, so he had to do his you know questioning the cops and getting the backstory as Officer Grayson, and then he was much more equipped to fight her as Nightwing.
0: Right, and it's, I mean they, they spend a lot of time in this eighty-page giant on her backstory, so I feel that's really well fleshed out. So it seems like they have a really good base for this character, who they could take it. Excuse me, any number of ways. I mean, she could hate the police for for what happened, you know, with her family being killed,
1: or just hating the corrupt Bloodhaven police because they're all corrupt.
0: Right. So she could always be fighting against the police, which means that Nightwing could encounter her as, as Nightwing as well as Dick.
1: Yes. So I really hope, I would hope that they brought her back. I don't know that they did. I think I looked on the uh, DC Wikia and it didn't have much information on her at all, which is a shame because, like we said, that's a character we both kind of enjoyed. She was cool. She was had a really cool styling and really cool persona and very uh, powerful vengeance that was justified.
0: Did you So she was killing in interesting ways. Did you kind of get a feeling like it was maybe an attempt to make uh, Nightwing have a Joker-type character? You know, I hadn't thought of that, but that's a good point. But she's less of a Joker. She's more of a... Her motivations are less of a Joker, but if you look at the way she was killing people, that seemed very Joker-esque to me.
1: See, I, I didn't think that. I thought Joker would be more random and senseless. Hers were very uh,
0: pointed. Yes, but I'm just talking about the method, like the guy in the wheelchair on the yeah, freeway and <laughs> who the had a guy, heart attack, the guy crushed by this ferry. Yeah, uh, you know,
1: I almost think, yeah, she'd be closer to what what penguin is to Bruce Wayne than uh, Joker is to Batman, but still very much a, uh she'd make a great counter, you know, a great foil to Nightwing slash Dick Grayson. I think that if they didn't kill her, that would be a phenomenal use for her but yeah. more of a sympathetic character than the Joker or the Penguin is.
0: I would definitely agree with that. I'm not saying she's she's 100% an, an analogous to the Joker, but I just thought of that as we were talking about how those those murders seemed very Joker-esque.
1: Okay, you know what? I'm going to do it again. It would almost be closer to what Venom is to Spider-Man.
0: Again? Again.
1: Because, like, eventually Venom becomes a good guy. He gets onto to Flash uh, Thompson? Thompson. Thank you. I was going to say Gordon, and that wasn't right.
0: Flash, ah. Uh- uh-
1: um, but he <laughs> ladies and gentlemen I apologize but that just happened and it was awesome
0: we just brought Queen to the podcast
1: <laughs> so it's always a good idea to bring Queen to the podcast The um, but you know, eventually could become a good guy or a force for good as an anti-hero more than a villain
0: yeah and that's something that if they were to bring that character back I think you kind of would need to go that route because I think Just having her go against the police at every turn would get stale after a while. Agreed, 100%.
1: Just like always having Venom go against Spider-Man would be stale after a while.
0: Yeah, so it's unfortunate, as you said, that there wasn't a lot of information on the wikia about her, which makes me think that she wasn't really brought back, um, which is kind of a shame that they they let that good start kind of go to waste. Agreed. Uh, and then the last one we wanted to talk about was Tork, uh, who was the main villain of this story. So it's it's an interesting mix. Before, we didn't think of him as a very good villain. He was
1: kind of a goofy origin. He had his head put on backwards by Blockbuster.
0: Like, if you just read the description of Tork, it sounds absolutely ridiculous. Yeah,
1: he has goggles that let him look behind him. Where he, which is that is the important.
0: case? Because I wasn't quite sure from from the story what exactly the goggles did.
1: Yeah, they let him see behind him. Or in front in of front him, of him, in front, behind, yeah, him. his head's on backwards people, okay, so he
0: can naturally see behind him,
1: but he can't see in front of him without the goggles,
0: okay, that's kind of what I thought, but <laughs> it wasn't really clear from from this story if that was the case.
1: It's extremely goofy, it's silly, it seems like a complete joke, but you know what you put him with that part's still kind of ridiculous, but you give him intergang ties, which is of course you know ties to apocalypse and dark seed uh, and you're going to have a at least formidable character his whole shtick is still pretty useless the whole having his head on backwards but his his police knowledge and skill if you put his head on right and then just you know gave him the intergang ties he'd be just as effective if not more effective and you know
0: i kind of like the goofiness of the head on backwards <laughs> when the rest of the character is compelling. so serious. yeah um, but you're right. If if that's all you've got is just somebody with a with his head on backwards, it, it's not a good villain. But I think the
1: you give him inner gang weapons and ties.
0: Yeah, and the and his hatred of the the police department for whatever reason, which I'm not really sure why he's he hates the police department. Because not sure. I don't feel like they like served him up to to blockbuster. That doesn't seem. Like a reason, you know, having that encounter with Blockbuster that that caused him to have his head on backwards doesn't seem like something he can really blame the police department for, but somehow it seems like he does. Really,
1: if anything, it's kind of his fault. He was one of those corrupt cops.
0: Yeah. So I mean, I could see maybe that he's trying to get his job back, but honestly, it doesn't really feel like that's what he was going for. Not at all. Um, but anyway, yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was a good villain for Nightwing. I mean, he kind of he kind of reminded me a little bit of the Two Face type of character like face but
1: without the moral justification
0: but just also kind of the two-face was the district attorney and now he's this villain who albeit his, his vendetta is not just against like the district attorney's office because that would be kind of cheesy but yeah um just kind of has ties to the law and then something deformed him and now he's a villain so there's kind of a kind of a, a similarity there
1: it's like looking at Two Face through a really like a funhouse mirror, almost.
0: Yeah, and I and I think we've said that a couple times in our in our discussion here in, in this podcast that some of these Nightwing villains are kind of funhouse fun mirror, funhouse <laughs> mirror versions of Batwing uh, Batman villains. <laughs> I can't talk. <laughs> what, what was the other one? Uh, uh,
1: romance relationship. Romationship. Romationship and fun. Fun
0: Uh, House, Veer, and Batwing, apparently. (laughs) So I think that
1: uh, I I agree completely with you, and I hadn't made the illusion between him and Two-Face until you pointed out it makes perfect sense. So, yeah, I agree with you. And so I, I think that wraps up our discussion pretty good, though.
0: Yeah, if you would like to leave us any feedback for this episode or just how we're doing in general, please go to the page on the batmanuniverse.net for this episode and leave us a comment and we'll be sure and incorporate that into a future episode.
1: So, before we wrap up with the credits,
0: how many what's your rating on this oh, one? Oh, thank you. I totally forgot about that. Um, I would say I would say like a 3.5 out of 5. I really? mean, it, it's it's a quite good story, but I think it suffers from being too short for the amount of stuff that they tried to put in there or they put too much stuff into this short story.
1: See, I gave it a 4 because of those those things. But otherwise, it's a really good story. So I, I'd say 3.5 is a little low for, for my taste. I'd say I'd give it a 4.
0: Okay, well, unfortunately, in the way that, that rounding works, it ends up being a 3.5. Darg! Uh, um, but you're right. I, I, think, I think maybe 3.5 is a tiny bit low, but I definitely... Didn't feel like it was quite there for a four for me. Fair enough. So, our overall rating f- for this story is a 3.5 out of five batterings. Definitely should pick it up. I, I definitely, definitely feel like it's a good read. Um, <laughs> and as I mentioned you can leave us feedback on the batmanuniverse.net you can also find Batman News um, the comics podcast is there which reviews the current set of Batman comics there's uh, reviews for other comics on the webpage there's uh, Batman movies, television toys, all kinds of news up there on on the batmanuniverse.net
1: if it's Batman it's
0: there exactly so um,
1: that will lead us of course to the credits for the story It was uh, Nightwing 47 through 50, and then the 80 page giant, which was written by Chuck Dixon.
0: Art by Patrick Zercher for 47, Greg Land for 48 to 50, Manuel Gutierrez for the 80 page, John Staniski for the 80 page, Sean Parsons for the 80 page, Mike Collins for the 80 page, Steve Bird for the 80 page, and Wayne Foucher for the 80 page.
1: The editors were Joseph Illich, who was the associate editor. Michael Wright, who is also the associate ed- editor. Frank Berrios, for the associate editor. Then Bob Schreck.
0: Was the main editor.
1: Was the main editor.
0: All right. Thank you guys for listening and join us next time for our next story.